Well, folks, Shabbat Shalom. Good to see you. Um, God is so good. Amen. And we're continuing in this series entitled, He Turned My Morning Into Dancing. Right? So that's a good theme, especially as we're in the seven consolations or the uh, Shabbats of consolation leading up to Rosh Hashanah. But let's pray first and pray with me. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. These seven Shabbats were meant to bring encouragement to God's people to B'nai Israel and to all who call upon the name of the Lord. On the heels of Tisha B'Av, which is possibly the most um, terrible day of the Jewish calendar, God sets forth to speak to the heart of his people uh, in hopes to and with the purpose to encourage their hearts, to bring comfort to them, and to see them blessed of him and where the overall verse for the message is found in Tehillim 30 verse 11 and 12 and that's something that maybe you can meditate on as well as we go through this series and it says you turned God that is turned my morning into dancing you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my well-being can praise you and not be silent. Adonai, my God, I will thank you forever. What a heart, right? What a heart. That's the heart of a worshiper. It's the heart of someone who's serving God because his life obviously was not free from trouble. The very fact that his mourning had to be turned into dancing, but what we see is that the psalmist knew God and knew how to get a hold of God and knew how to receive encouragement from God so that his mourning can be turned into dancing. This week I'm going to be speaking on the Haftarah of the Etchanan, which is Nachamu. It's found in Isaiah, Yeshayahu, chapter 40, verses 1 through 26. And... It's the first of the seven Haftarot of Consolation. And it really sets the tone because God wants to speak to our hearts. So the first thing God wants to do is he wants to comfort, right? He wants to bring comfort to his people. Verse 40, I mean, chapter 40 and verse 1 says, Comfort and keep comforting my people, says your God. Tell Yerushalayim to take heart, proclaim to her that she has completed her time of service, that her guilt has been paid off, that she has received at the hand of Adonai double for all her sins. And the term Nachamu, Nachamu in the Hebrew is just meant to intensify the sentiment. And we really need to get this because so many people even believers fail to understand the heart of God. God's desire and heart 
is to bring comfort to us as people. And so he says it, Nachamud, Nachamud, Ami. Comfort and keep comforting my people. So it's interesting to note that it's in the second person plural meaning that God is speaking to just not one, but his messengers. Some would say he's speaking to the Nevi'im, the prophets, including Isaiah. Some would say that includes the angelic host of heaven, that God is making a declaration for many to hear, for his messengers to hear, this is what I'm proclaiming over my people. Because you know what happens to us as human beings when bad things happen in our life? We can get to thinking maybe God is done with us. Or maybe I'm not right with God or maybe there's something wrong and God is sending a message to us through these haftarot of comfort. But no, no, God is comforting that's his desire to comfort us to help us and to bless us you see this gentle voice of god is speaking to people and perhaps you today because we know that the prophetic writings are and contain not only forthtelling which speaks to the prophet in his day, but also foretelling prophecies of a future day and future generations. And perhaps you today have struggled through a difficult time. The phrase, speak tenderly, in many translations, you'll read that, it says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, is in Hebrew, Dabru Alev Yerushalayim, or literally, speak to the heart. God wants to speak to your heart today, just like he spoke to our people's hearts all those many years ago. He wants to speak comfort and encouragement into your life. But here's the thing, are you going to receive it today? You need to receive the encouragement of the Lord. You see, that phrase is found in passages of reassurance, of winning people back. For instance, Bereshit 50 and 21. See, this is not merely expressing comfort and kindness which it is, but it's also looking to persuade and even invite God's people to respond to his love. God's saying, I love you, and I want to comfort you, and I want to help you through life's many challenges and difficulties, through the tragic losses that perhaps you've just been through. God wants to tell you he loves you and he wants to help you. 
The key here is to understand that God sees your pain, your affliction, your struggles, and your challenges. Because some might say, well, I don't really feel afflicted or in pain, but everyone has struggles and challenges. And God wants you to know that he sees them, and he wants to comfort you, meaning he wants to help you and see you overcome to turn that time of mourning or challenge into dancing, into victory. How many know there's victory in the name of the Lord? How many know that there's victory for God's people? God has not called us to live a life of defeat, but a life of victory. We serve the living God of the universe. And so victory is our destiny. It's also interesting to note from this passage that the phrase, she has completed her time of service, that her guilt has been paid off, is explained by some commentators as meaning that her iniquity is expiated. And they get that term expiated from the word nirtzah because it's used and connected with the Levitical process of bringing atonement for Israel. That's why even in the song we sang, right, Nakamu Ami, the word atonement is used. So it's interesting that in this time of comfort that God is talking about expiating our sins because it also speaks, we'll see in a second, the foretelling of this passage is seen in the announcement of the Messiah. So that term Nitzah comes from the priestly vocabulary of divine acceptance and ritual acts that bring atonement to God's people. How many of you know that sin is a crushing weight that mankind was never meant to bear. And every time we either sin ourselves or suffer the result of someone else's sin, which happens, right, that that is not what mankind was meant to live in. And that crushing weight of sin, God is promising to alleviate. For those of us who are in Messiah, it's alleviated, but sometimes we need to really be reminded of that truth. And for those who are not yet in Messiah, if you're watching or here and never accepted Yeshua as your Messiah, never had your sins atoned for once and for all, unlike our yearly Yom Kippur efforts, the Messiah in this passage and in the latter passages of the book of Yeshayahu promises to bring final atonement so we could live a life of freedom, comfort, and joy. Amen? That's your destiny in God. Yochanan Aleph the Shaliach Yochanan in his letter really 
has the same sentiment when he says this. He says, my little children. Really, he's writing right through the what? The Ruach HaKodesh, trying to get a message to God's people. And this is the message. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua HaMashiach, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For what purpose? To bring comfort. Because make no mistake about it, true comfort can never be had if the stain and weight of sin still rests upon the human condition. So God looks to alleviate that, right? My gosh, if I stop there, you should be clicking your heels all the way to your car because there is no better news than that. Amen. You see, I mention this because many suffer due to the guilt, shame, and condemnation that sin produces. I talk to many believers who struggle with guilt and shame. Believers who are believers for many, 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 many years struggle with guilt and shame and condemnation. Well, that's not what God has come to do. The Messiah has come to give us liberty. It's Hasatan that always tries to heap guilt, shame, and condemnation on God's people. And God is saying this, Hey, get this word out to my prophets. Get this word out. I'm not here to bring guilt, shame, and condemnation. I'm here to bring comfort. Right? God wants you to know that. That God wants to help you. So therefore, our past life, including bad decisions we might have made are in the past. And God wants to bring comfort to our minds and hearts today moving forward. Amen. Just like Tisha B'Av was in the past, right, and God set up these, right, consolations to help us to receive his comfort and his joy. Number two, our comfort, and this is important, our comfort comes through Messiah Yeshua. You see, there's three voices that are spoken here, right? So that's why the plural, right, second person plural, he's speaking to his messengers. And one of the voices here that we have in verse 3, it says this, a voice cries out, Clear a road through the desert for Adonai. Level a highway in the Aravah for our God. Let every valley be filled in, every mountain and hill lowered, the bumpy places made level, and the crags become a plain. What is he saying? Hey, let's make this easy for God to come into your life. Then the glory of Adonai will be revealed. All mankind together will see it, for the mouth of Adonai has spoken. 
You see, this is the message that Yochanan, the immerser, cried out concerning Yeshua. This very passage is quoted in the Brit Chadashah. It says in Matityahu, in those days Yochanan the Immerser came proclaiming in the wilderness of Judea. Turn away from your sins for the kingdom of heaven is near for he is the one Isaiah the prophet spoke about saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, our passage here in Isaiah 40, the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Adonai and make his path straight. It is this same person, Yochanan the Immerser, who pointed to Yeshua and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Or perhaps it could be said like this, Behold the Lamb of God who removes the destructive and oppressive damage that sin works in the human condition and brings restoration and comfort of God's love into the lives of all who call upon him. God is telling the Israelites, get ready because I'm coming. We who are believers already should understand that he came. Right? And we should understand, because he came, that he is our source. Friend, I look and I see social media. You see the things on TV. Everyone is selling their little version, their way of bringing good things into your life of bringing comfort to you, of helping you out, because if we are honest, the world is in a miserable state. There's not a lot of good things happening in our world. But guess what? If you look to those things, including governments of men, or systems of men, or science, some people think science is their savior. I want to tell you, God is our savior. And God alone. And he sent Yeshua. That means salvation to us so he could save us and continue to save us as we look toward him as our savior. And I want to encourage you here today watching on the internet. Don't look to the devices of men to help you. Look to God. God will never disappoint you. God is everything we need. Don't you love him? Wow. Wow. Do you realize in ancient times, a herald or a forerunner, right, that this scripture speaks about, would be sent out to clear the road of obstacles or to repair any potholes in the road prior to the journey by the king. The passage here then states that the forerunner will precede the arrival of the messianic king who is on a mission to bring relief to the world's fallen condition 
right down to the nitty-gritty minutia of your life. And if you don't think that's true, look at the ministry of Yeshua. He was and is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet look at the people he dealt with, that it wasn't too insignificant. Even the children, right, that were thought of as insignificant in that day. And, and even the, the, the Talmudium is saying, oh, don't, don't bother the master. Don't bother rabbi kids. And what did Yeshua say? Hey, hey, come here, kids. I have time for you. You're important to me. This moment in time is important. And you need to know that about God. God willingly came into the minutia of our life rolled up his sleeves, got into the dirt and the grime of a sin-sick and fallen world. And he's more than able and willing to come into our situations when they get messy and ugly. Do you hear me? God's concerned about you. But we have to understand that we're only going to get helped out through him, the Messiah, through Yeshua. Look what it says in Yeshayahu chapter 61. Realize from 40 to 66, these chapters, right, contain the book of consolation. And we see from 40 through 66 how things get better and better, right? The spirit of Adonai Elohim is upon me. Remember, Yeshua took the scroll and read from this passage, right? The servant of the Lord, the Mashiach. Because Adonai has anointed me for what? To announce good news to the poor. Right? God's concerned with the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, not just those who are physically sick, because he certainly healed them. Are you brokenhearted? Are you hurting in your heart? He came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. Are you bound by something today? to let out into light those bound in the dark, to proclaim the year of the favor of Adonai. And for those in Zion who mourn, giving them garlands instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a heavy spirit. So many believers I see walk around with a heavy spirit, and God has given us a garment, a cloak of praise to put on in that moment. Don't you know, every time I feel a heavy spirit on myself, I just feel not the best. Guess what? There's nothing like a song of praise to lift that off of us. But you know what? Unfortunately, there are a lot of believers who don't want to do that. They don't want to praise God in that way. Or they just want to think about it. I want to tell you, there is something powerful when you lift your voice. I remember once I was in Bible college many, many, many years ago. And I felt like I was being attacked from Hasatan like crazy. And I was sitting there in a worship service and in my mind, like many of you perhaps from time to time when you come into a worship service, you look good on the outside, you're smelling good. But yet, man, in your mind there's a war raging. And that was me in that particular moment, and I couldn't enter into the worship, and I, 
I was just getting beat up. And I heard the Spirit of God almost audibly. And he said, Worship Yeshua. Open your mouth and begin to praise. And in my obedience, I wasn't very convincing. I just started opening my mouth and I praise you, Yeshua. Just like that. Not, I, I didn't burst out into, I praise you, Yeshua. God, I praise you. God, you're worthy. Lord, I bless you. And Lord, I love you. And the more I kept saying it, the more free I was getting. And by the end of that worship time, I was released from that heavy spirit. And we need to exercise that tool in our tool belt and open our mouths and put on a garment of praise instead of a heavy spirit. And it goes on to say, so they, they will be called oaks of righteousness planted by Adonai in which he takes pride. Yeshua said and continues to say in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are struggling and burdened. Does, that, does anyone in this room fit that bill? And I will give you rest. Where does our rest come from? It comes from him, from Yeshua. It comes from the servant of the Lord, the Mashiach. Don't be running to other things. Listen, you could, listen if you want to go and participate in some things that you enjoy, that's fine. But don't look for deliverance from those things. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it from a pint of haagen -Dazs. As good at that, as that sounds at times, doesn't it? And you be, we, we giggle, but a lot of people find comfort in that. And you eat the pint, and after 2,000 calories, your waist gets a little tight and you regret it. <laughs> But there's no regrets in God. There's no regrets in the salvation he brings and the deliverance of the pure life and joy that he could bring to the human heart. Friend, there's nothing that could touch that. That's what I love about God. You know what? I could have even my family, who's very encouraging, by the way. I have two great encouraging kids. Obviously, Rabbi Carroll is encouraging. But I'll tell you what. They could speak words to me if I'm discouraged but only God can get to the heart, you know? And God is our source of comfort and of joy. And I want to encourage you, don't settle for second best. Are you struggling with something? Is your heart burdened? Are you worn out from the challenges of life? If you are, then you have an invitation from Yeshua to go to the lover of your soul and receive comfort and love that only he could provide. Hear that. Only he can provide that level of comfort and love. It surpasses anything we could get here in the natural. It surpasses any material thing you could get or buy or obtain. It comes and it hits us here in our heart. And it's substantial and powerful and weighty. And I want to encourage you to run to him. It says this in Colossians 2 and 9. It says, For in him 
the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him, made full and having come to fullness of life, in Messiah, you too are filled with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh. And reach full spiritual stature in Him. And He is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. He is the head. And we've been invited. Can you imagine if you worked for a company? Let's say you worked for Walmart. And you were invited. Oh, no, no, you don't have to go to the store manager. You're invited. You could go to the big boss of all Walmart. You could call him up on the phone, and he's going to take care of your concerns. Could you imagine that? Everyone would want to work at Walmart if that was the case. Or any, you could put any organization in there. See, we've been invited, Yeshua, the head of every principality and power, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God of all the earth, said, no, you can come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. Friend, don't take that personal invitation lightly. Take him up on it. <laughs> he wants you to take him up on it. Amen? Let me give you the third thing we see here in this passage is a declaration of the supremacy of God. God is declaring his greatness. And listen, how is that a comfort to us? Because I'll tell you what, the enemy of our souls likes to lift himself up above the voice of God. The people of the world, the kingdoms of this world, like to exalt themselves and even their authority as if their authority is greater than God's authority. And that could be discouraging. Because after all, who am I? Who are you? I'm a small fish in a very, very large pond. But God tells us here, declare his supremacy because he and he alone is supreme over all the earth. Look what it says. Here's a yet another voice that comes in in verse 6. A voice says, proclaim. And I answer, what should I proclaim? All humanity is merely grass. All its kindness like wild flowers. The grass dries up and the flower fades when a wind from Adonai blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass dries up, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God and his word will endure and are eternally fixed in the heavens. Every word, every line of scripture contains power and life. And when we declare it over our lives and the lives of others, the effects of those words, words will be seen and felt in them. Boy, the things I hear people declare over themselves. They're not declaring the supremacy of God over themselves. They're kvetching and complaining and woe is me 
and oh, it's so tough, and I'm so overwhelmed. Well, that's not what the scripture tells us to do. This passage of comfort is telling us to declare the supremacy of God. Verse 12 says, or in the book of Hebrews says, God's word is alive and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. His sword can cut through our spirits and souls and through our joints and marrow, and it discovers the desires and thoughts of our hearts. The word is powerful. And when we declare God is supreme over our lives, those words are powerful. I'll give you, I was, I'm going to just tell you a story that happened to me just three weeks ago. It was evening, Rabbi Carol was sleeping, sound asleep. And I was having some weird things happening in my chest. And everyone gets those things from time to time, a little bump in the road. And, but this was different. I was feeling that I'm contemplating, wow, this really ain't good type of thing. And I get up and I start pacing and, you know, for 10 minutes and 20 minutes and not good. I'm saying maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should go in or call a doctor and it's really, really getting bad. And then I said, you know what, God, you've healed me before and touched my body and I know you could do it again. And I said, God, just like we sang today, I need you. Yeshua, I need you right now to bring healing to my body. And I went and I sat down. I was able to fall asleep eventually. And I woke up. And now it have little things recur, but not this time. And I say that to give glory to God. Because God cares. Now, would God have been upset if I went in? Not at all. He could use many means to get us what we need. But God helped me that day, and I knew it was him. And the next day in prayer, God reminded me that it was him. I knew it was God. I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew in my kishkas that God touched me last night. Because he is supreme. He is Adonai Raphael. He is the one who is in control over every fiber in your being. He knows it. He created it. He made it. You need help? Go to God. God's word is powerful. And I want to say this. Get skilled in the word of God. Get skilled in the word of God. Use it to discern the things going on in your life, even in your own heart. 
Use it to speak the truth over yourself and others instead of the lies of Hasatan. Yeshua said, the enemy comes and he lies. He is the father of lies. He doesn't know the truth. Everything that he speaks out of his mouth is a lie. And too often I feel for God's people that we walk around believing the lies of hell instead of the truth of God's word. God came to give us life and life abundantly. He didn't come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's not God punishing us. No, God came to give us life and life abundantly. Speak that life over your life, over your health, over your children, over your family, over your situation, over your job, over your finances. Speak the promises of heaven and if you don't know them, find them. There's surely one verse on every one of those things I said. God's word speaks to our situation, but we don't say it. Well, you'll say, Rabbi, Car uh, Rabbi Michael, I do think about it. No, no, but you have to say it. Yeshua didn't think, get behind me, Hasatan. He spoke it. Right? And a lot of times we go around thinking, we keep everything in our mind when God wants it to be released out of our mouths. And declare God's greatness. You who bring good news to Zion, get yourself up, this is our text, on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, cry out at the top of your voice. Don't be afraid to shout aloud. Say to the cities of Yehuda, Here is your God. Remember, we just read, it's an announcement of the coming Messiah. This is pertaining to the Besorah. Shout out at the top of your voice, Here is your God. God has come in Yeshua to help humankind. And you know what? We help ourselves out when we tell others about this good news too. Because not only was the, is the comfort meant for us, the comfort is meant to get in us and through us to other people. And don't be ashamed of it. I know we should be ashamed of everything today, right? I should be ashamed of being a man. I should be ashamed of... Right? Dressing the way I dress, I should be ashamed because I believe that there's a God and that God is over science and not science over God. I should be ashamed of all these things. But I'm not. Because God is great. Here comes Adonai Elohim with power. And his arm will rule for him, Yeshua. Look, his reward is with him, and his recompense is before him. He is like a shepherd feeding his flock. Who is Yeshua? The great shepherd of the sheep of God. What's a shepherd like? You won't find too many mean shepherds. Actually, shepherds are very caring and loving because they want their flock they need their flock <laughs> to do well 
and they nurture their flock. So just think, the Supreme One, the God of the universe, is also the Great Shepherd. The one who holds the universe in the palm of his hand steps into that same universe and cares for the lowly. Friend, that's the God people could get behind serving. Wow. Carrying them against his chest, gently leading the mother's sheep. Since God's word is truth and since he promised to fulfill bringing the good news to see on through Yeshua, we too need to get up on a high mountain and declare this truth to others. Friends, there's many people in your life and your own families. And I know you can't talk religion in your family or politics, <laughs> as they say. But there are people in your own family who need the good news. And you could say, well, Rabbi, if I bring that up, it's going to upset them. That's okay. And why do I say that? I say that from experience. I was upset when it was said in my presence. I was upset and bothered. But guess what? God did, that didn't worry God. I was upset and bothered, yet the Holy Spirit spoke to me continually from the day I heard it. And every time I would encounter it, the Holy Spirit spoke it's okay if it upsets people. I think when it upsets people, it's proof positive that you're hitting the mark. And I don't mean, don't get me wrong, we're not talking to me, don't be mean or nothing like that. <laughs> Delivered in the love of God, in the kindness of the Ruach HaKodesh, we speak the truth in love. Why do we speak it? Not because they're wrong and we're right, because God loves them, just like he loves you. What a great and awesome message to declare the greatness of our God. Do you think that would bring hope to a hopeless world? That, friend, I know you're struggling, I know things look dismal, but we serve a great God an awesome God, a powerful God, a God to whom there is nothing too hard or difficult for him, that he does all things well, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. Yeah, that's a God and a message that people need to hear. God is the only one who can bring people the love and care they need. Let me give you four, and this is the last point is the text continues to describe the greatness of God because our God is incomparable. Get, wrap your head around that. He is incomparable. And this is what he says in the text. Who has counted the handfuls of water in the sea. As you read this text, by the way, 
you feel the similarities to the book of Job when God speaks to Job, right? Who has counted the handfuls of water in the sea, measured off the sky with a ruler, gauged how much dust there is on the earth, weighed the mountains on scales or the hills in balance? Have you? Who has measured the spirit of Adonai? Who has been his counselor instructing him? Whom did he consult to gain understanding? Who taught him how to judge? Who taught him what he needed to know or showed him how to discern? All rhetorical. Verse 15, the nations are like a drop in the bucket, so don't put your trust in them. They count like a grain of dust on the scales. They're nothing to God. The islands weigh as little as specks of dust. The Lebanon would not suffice for fuel or its animals be enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are like nothing. He regards them as less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? By what standard will you evaluate him? An image made by a craftsman, which a goldsmith overlays with gold, for which he then casts silver chains? A man too poor to afford an offering chooses a piece of wood that won't rot, then seeks out a skilled artisan to prepare an image that won't fall over. He's saying you look to little idols, and they don't have to necessarily be items, idols of silver and wood and stone. Don't you know? Don't you hear? Haven't you been told from the start? Don't you understand how the earth is set up? He who sits above the circle of the earth, for whom its inhabitants appear like grasshoppers, stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to live in. Is there anyone like that that you know of? He reduces princes to nothing, the rulers of the earth to emptiness. Scarcely they are planted, scarcely sown, scarcely their stem taken root in the ground when he blows on them. They dry up and the whirlwind carries them off like straw. There's no one like God. He's incomparable. He's telling us something here. Where are you putting, where are you getting your comfort and strength from? Do you think you're going to get it from these leaders or these nations or from an idol? No. With whom then will you compare me? With whom am I equal? Ask the Holy One. Turn your eyes to the heavens. Turn your eyes to the heavens. See who created these. He brings out the army of them in sequence, summoning each by name. Through his great might and his massive strength, not one of them is missing. Let me read that again. Through his great might and his massive strength, not one of them. It's him 
who is behind it all. And we're invited to meditate on the incomparability of God. You know, some of us human beings like to be in control. We like to be in control of our surroundings, in control of our families, in control of our life. But what would happen if we gave God control? This incomparable God. What if we look to the heavens to whom God has supplied the answers and our needs and the things that he knows we need for a good life? You see, both the original audience and each of us here today are being compelled to renew our wonder of God. A wonder that will awaken, by the way, that's the opposite of what's happening in the world. They're trying to discredit God, minimize God, make God, oh, that's archaic. But we're being asked in this passage to renew our wonder of a wondrous God. A wonder that will awaken assurance in his great might and vast power. I'm telling you, I can get into this verse because I experienced it just three weeks ago. And therefore inspire faith in his promise of redemption and divine comfort. In a letter to Timothy, Rob Shaul writes to give us the proper perspective on who God is and on our life. And this is what he says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, because you were created, my friend. Everything else was created. God alone is immortal. No beginning, no end. He was not created. He always was. Who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or is able to see to him, be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. That's powerful. And he goes on, direct those who are rich in this present age not to be proud or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't fix your hope on the things of this world, but rather on God. This is a word for us. Don't fix your hope in the world system, but rather fix your hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Direct them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, sharing, 
storing up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they might take hold of the true life. And that's the life of God, eternal life, that he's talking about. Oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. You can put your name in there. It's written to you as well. Guard what has been entrusted to you. You've been entrusted with the treasures of heaven. Turning away from pointless chatter. Facebook, Instagram. Oh, say that out loud? <laughs> pointless chatter and the contradictions of so-called knowledge. By professing it, some have missed the mark concerning the faith. Grace be with you. You should read 1 Timothy chapter 6, 15 through the end, and meditate on that. That is a prescription for us on how to live our life. Because God wants to bring all this goodness into your life. Didn't we just read it? That gives us everything to enjoy. Whose world is this? He said he created it for your enjoyment. Do you believe that? When you walk out and see the beautiful landscape, that was created for you to enjoy. See an awesome sunset, a sunrise, created for you to enjoy. Beautiful creatures, your family, your children, created for you to enjoy. Food that you like, created for you to enjoy. Friend, God is about you. You're his children. He wants to see you comforted. He wants to see you walking in his fullness. But friends, to get it right, we have to understand who our source is. And our source is God and God alone. Amen? So this is where our mourning is truly turned into dancing. I'm happier right now than I was when I started because of all these things we talked about. My goodness. God is working in our midst. How awesome is that? That you can tell people that you know, yeah, God's at work in my home. Who? <laughs> They're like, who's at work? God is at work. Wow. That'll turn your morning into dancing. It happens, that process, that transformation. Aren't we in a process of transformation it happens when we understand that God wants to comfort us. That's his heart. That heart God's heart's for you. Secondly, when our comfort, when we understand our comfort comes through Messiah Yeshua, come unto me, all you who are wearied and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It comes when we declare the supremacy of God and don't always speak all this negative stuff over your life even over our world. There's a lot of negative stuff happening, but guess what? They ain't in charge. They think they're in charge. And God's like, fine, you could think you're in charge, but at the end of the day, 
God's in charge. Newsflash. To all the kingdoms of the earth, they shall become the kingdoms of our God and of the Mashiach. And every knee will bow, every tongue confess to the glory of the Father that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord of all. Hallelujah. And then lastly, we understand that our God is incomparable. Friend, don't tell me that you're going to be able to substitute anything in my life that is better than God. There ain't a program. There ain't a sport. There ain't a financial uh, position. There is nothing that you're going to be able to swap out with me that is going to be better than what I have in God. And when we understand that our God is incomparable, we're going to be the recipients of a continual flow of his comfort, of his love, of his blessing, of his favor, of his goodness, of his very life. Amen? So let's stand on our feet. God, get this into your people. We need this in our tishkas. We need this word. Listen, when you, I, I want to hear you speaking negative over your family, over your situation. Even if, it's, if your situation is bad, here's the, the good news. God is good. If your situation's bad, God is good. And he is enthroned over your life. Amen? Bless his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray for Lord B'nai Yisrael. I pray for your people. I pray for the nations, Lord, everyone in this room, God, that you would bless them, that you would show yourself powerful in their life. Father, I pray that they would look to you and they would walk in the fullness of what you have desired for their lives. Lord, that they would be fruitful in every way and blessed of you. And I ask you, Peshem Yeshua, and everyone said, Amen. God bless. Shabbat Shalom.